Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. I recently discovered a new reality cooking show that caught my attention. It did. See, I usually, and by what I mean by usually is never watch reality TV. However, this show was about barbecue pitmasters. Yeah, it was a competition. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. See, this is, you're speaking my language. This is my language. This is my home tongue, is barbecue. See, the handful of local pitmasters from various locations across the United States are competing to be deemed the pitmaster of America. Now, as a Texas boy who appreciates good barbecue, especially good brisket, so if you know a place, I do take recommendations here in the area, this show naturally, of course, grabbed my attention. Now, the concept is easy. The judges pick the style that they're looking for. There was even, believe it or not, was even a Caribbean barbecue pit master. Yeah, who was really putting on... The jerk, I mean, all the stuff. I mean, it was really impressive to watch. Uh, But they they would go and pick their meat, pick the seasoning that goes with it, the cooking process and the right temperatures and all this sort of thing. And, of course, the sides, because in this competition, you're not just judged on the meat, but the sides hold equal uh, judging authority. They're the same. So you have to have both. Now, once time is up, the judge judges you on the usual stuff, taste and presentation. So that's what you have to get, re- get ready and be prepared for. But, but regardless of the show, regardless if it's American Idol or if it's a barbecue cooking show, the judges are what brings in the ratings, no matter what. It's not always the, con- the, the competition or itself. It's always the judges. See, the judge's job is to try to bring the audience into the room like if you're there with them they want you to taste what they're tasting they want you to smell what they're smelling and I bet you a barbecue cooking show is a really good smelling on the set there but they they of course they want you to experience the excitement or the shame that the contestants feel once judgment has been cast And when the contestants are doing what the Hollywood business refers to as their talking heads, that's the bit where they're like talking to the camera and they're giving you the behind the scenes, one-on-one kind of thing. They are, what they're usually giving you, the audience, is a list of things that are going wrong at the moment, right? Here, the temperature is not getting up to the bit. I have to set the right type of wood. If I was back at home, I would use this. Usually my wife is with me to do the size. It's always a list of all the things that could be going wrong, that they are wanting the audience to feel sorry for them and to hopefully, through all this process, that the judges will also feel sorry for them and be a a little lenient. At the same time, though, 
when they, of course, the camera guy brings up their competitors, they talk, oh, very negatively, and they hope that the judges come down with the swift, mighty arm of judgment on them and their lack of preparation. And what we are seeing in these cases of no matter what show it is, is that it is a case of wanting grace for ourselves, but demanding justice for those around us. Which is exactly where we are picking up in our story today in the prodigal son. So let's have a word of prayer this morning. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here and to open your word and to just explore and to dive in and to, and to truly break bread. Father, we just pray that as we continue to look into the prodigal son, that your truth, your words be spoken, Lord. God, I, just, I pray now that anything that comes out of my mouth is, is in total and complete alignment with the gospel truth. And so, Father, this is our prayer. Open our hearts and minds now to listen to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the entire story up to this point has all been about the young son and the father. That's what we pretty much have been talking about for the last three weeks now. The young son had shamed the father. He spent all of his money at Disney World and Six Flags and these other things that we just learned about. And then he hits rock bottom with the pigs. Everyone got excited about that. But thankfully, he came to his senses and he travels home to be, well, honestly, to be surprised for a very, by a welcoming and forgiving father. And the young, story, the young son's story ends with a party. Because he was once lost, and then now he's found. A perfect way to end the story, if it ended there. Jesus, however, wasn't finished with this story. He intentionally brings up the older brother. He didn't have to, but he did. He could have just ended the story there. We would never would have known there was an older brother in the field. Never would have come to our, paid attention to it. But Jesus wanted to mention him, bring him up. That after the young son had returned, Jesus continued the story by saying this. Meanwhile. So now we're taking a little detour. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants, and, and he asked him, what, what was going on? <laughs> your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, I can imagine the, the older son in this moment when he was seeing and experienced this, leaving the field and then seeing the commotion in the house, watching his father embrace his younger son within his arms, perhaps even a kiss on his forehead at the celebration. And it was probably right then at that moment when he saw this in the distance that an emotion began to stir within his own soul, that he began to question what he was actually seeing. That from the eyes of the older brother, his own eyes, the prodigal son has indeed returned, but has returned with no judgment. His perception and reaction of his return was nothing like the father's. 
In fact, the reaction of the older brother is the reaction that the younger son expected to see from his father. So verse 28 says, The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out, and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. Now, let me lay out in context what that transaction, what just took place in that story. In the Jewish culture, right, in this this transaction, when dad says, come inside the house, you... You come inside the house. That's how that works. You, even if you are displeased with your father's commands, you still honor your father and you do what he says. If you're unhappy with him, with whatever he is commanding or giving to you, then you share your concerns privately at a time that is appropriate among the two of you. But the older brother here in this moment refuses to enter his house. That his father had asked him, and he will not enter. And so now, at this point in the story, Jesus is telling a different story for a different crowd. He is now telling a story about a father who has not only been shamed by one son, but who has now been shamed by two. Why? Why bring the older brother into the story at all? I mean, this was a pretty happy story. Why bring him in? The assumption was that the younger son was the problem child and the older son was the good son that stayed home with dad, did what he's supposed to do, worked in the fields, and would never disobeyed his father. But Jesus was telling a story that was not only intended for the tax collectors listening in, the younger son, but also a message for the Pharisees and the crowd, the older son. And so Jesus continues this story with the father's response after the older son disobeys. My son, says the father, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And just like that, after that statement, the story's over. That's it. And man, what a way to end. We never get to see what the older brother does. Or how he reacts after the father speaks to him. The story just ends. And I can imagine right then as Jesus was wrapping that up and just putting the little period and cleaning up that story, Pharisees were walking away offended by what they just heard. And tax collectors were on their knees weeping, begging to come home. 
And the father's response to the older son simply is saying that God's love and grace is equal to all. Regardless if we are a new believer or a long-time believer, a long-time believer, Jesus was telling the Pharisees that you don't get to choose who receives God's grace, that God doesn't withhold grace from the same people that we withhold grace from. Jesus' death on the cross means that there is a celebration waiting for anyone who is ready to come home. Anyone who is ready to come home that the Father is going to celebrate the arrival. And I think the reason why that we don't see the end or the response of the Son after the Father really speaks into him and tells him that everything, and we don't get to hear the rebuttal of the comment back from the Son is because we are now seeing how that story lives in real life. We are the response to that story. We are. And as I was preparing to conclude this sermon series, which I have thoroughly enjoyed researching and writing um, and everything that's taken to piece this together, um, I decided to take one final good look at this story in its entirety. Just to start from the, let's just make comb through it to examine the story and make sure that I didn't miss anything. And when I went back and I saw the story play out, my eyes began to see something different. It was interesting. As I went back, I started to see the story of the church unfold, of the church of God, the church of Christ, the church. I saw it unfold. That within the story of the prodigal son, the church can be seen at every angle of the story. You see, each of us are in our father's country. We're in his home. We're with him. We, we, are, we don't have to worry where we're going to get our next meal within his home, within his country, within his family. We, we don't worry about our clothes. or We don't worry about the needs because we are with our father. And some of us know our father and choose to stay in his land. We choose to work in his fields and, and to serve him well, to go and get the things that he's asking us to do and to be in relationship with the people he's asked us to be in relationship with, that we know him and love him well, that we choose to stay with him while others choose to leave. They choose to leave. And when the time comes for a prodigal son or daughter to return home the head of the church the father Jesus Christ is eagerly waiting for their return standing outside so that way when they see him in the distance come home come home and in fact when that person comes into back home into the father's country he says quick get my son and my to get the family ring get the clothes get the sandals get the fattened calf because you are now home 
And in the church, we, we respond either as the servants who share the great news of the return, who go and start to get and collect all the things that the Father said to do, to go and grab all of the little pieces that make the the, the journey home and the return home a celebration, to go get the fattened calf, that we can fetch and do the things that Father has asked us to do, or we respond as the older brother, who even refused to go into the house. And I just say, forgive us, Lord, when we fall short of your kingdom. Are we the church waiting at the door, ready to run? When we see the prodigal son or daughter in the distance, are we ready to embrace them and and show them the path to the foot? And it doesn't mean that this church, this location, no, 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 no. It could be in our home, it could be online, it could be anywhere. Are we the church ready to embrace and show them the path to the foot of the cross? Or are we like the older brother, eager and ready for judgment? You know, this uh, story of the prodigal son was a great reminder for me when I came home. I remember that. And I came home and I was able to experience the true grace and forgiveness that just wasn't granted to me by some people, by loved ones. And But I remember a heavenly father, prince of peace, the king of kings, who was waiting by the door and said, come in. Lord, I is a that day I still celebrate. Still celebrate. And so I want to close with this. That if you right now are the lost son or daughter, go home. There is a loving father waiting for you with his arms open. And if you're on that journey home, there's going to be a surprise waiting for you. Knock out all that, that fear. Knock out all that. There's going to be open arms. And if we are the older brother, then I pray and I think we should ask the Lord's understanding on our heart. And maybe we can go fetch a thing or two for him while we're at it. Father, we just pray now, in this moment, for your... For your store, this, this prodigal son, Lord, to be written onto our heart so that way when we walk out of here and we hear this either online or wherever this story may be told, that it becomes a part of our spiritual identity. That all of us were the prodigal son coming home. And then may we never forget that image of when we had to hit the bottom and come to our senses and run back home to the Father's arm. But Lord, I guarantee you, that we all in our minds now know someone who, who is still lost. Lord, can you please use us as a vessel, as a tool to show the love, the grace, and the mercy waiting for them at the cross? That, Father, I just pray that we 
are the church that's waiting by the door with open arms. And that God, I now pray for the heart that if any of us, including myself, are the older brother in the fields expecting only the best, that God maybe be reminded that Jesus had to go to a cross and die and that he was giving his best when it happened. And so, Lord, may we live a sacrificial life, no matter how long we've been with you, no matter how long we've enjoyed your country, Lord, but maybe remember that it was only there because of a sacrifice that was given. And may we, God, please live to that standard. Call us, Lord, to serve your people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.